Welcome to the Runner's Roundtable podcast. Season three is all about the how-tos of running. And in this episode, I'm talking to body whisperer Sharon Boone about the importance of movement and how runners can benefit from more curiosity about the different ways they can move and experience movement in their bodies. Enjoy this episode and thanks for listening. Welcome everyone, season three of Runner's Roundtable, where in this season, it's all about the how-tos of running. And today I am joined by Sharon Boone to talk about the importance of movement in general for runners. And I'm excited to have this conversation with Sharon because you do wear a lot of different hats. You have a lot of knowledge about movement. And I wanna know a little bit more about yourself, your running story, how you got to where you are, and also this name that I saw in your email, The Body Whisperer, how you came to accept, embody, and I guess label yourself as such. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you uh, inviting me to be here, Stephanie. Um, So my story of The Body Whisperer and running kind of the running starts and it kind of merges into the body whisperer. Um, so I started running actually in middle school and high school cross country and track. And uh, an exciting note, I finally get to coach middle school cross country this year. So I feel like I'm completing the circle. I know, right? It's very exciting. Um, so from there, um, I went through college. I did not run. I ran on my own in college. Um, and when I got out 1991, I started teaching group exercise. So that's kind of where that all merged into, okay, now I'm doing fitness as a career. Um, From there, continued running, continued exercising, became a personal trainer, um, and then went back to school for my, to finish my physical education degree. Um, And during that degree, I was in an auto accident um, that T-boned me on my left side um, and left me with injuries. Um, The ones that, you know, they're like, oh, you're fine, but you're not really fine. Um, so I actually, um, ended up with a bone bruise in my right knee. So the inside knee, so uh, we'll come back to that. That's important for the story. Um, and 99, I had a slip and fall and jammed my femur into my hip socket. Yeah, it was not pleasant. It totally distorted my pelvis. Uh, the ligaments aren't there to really hold that SI joint in place. Um, and going through the traditional medical system, um, I think it got to the point I was at my lowest and they're like, I'm sorry, we can't do anything for you. You're going to have to live in pain. Um, 10 years later, I got myself out of pain. Wow. And that's really where body whispering started. It's like, well, I don't accept this. And what am I going to do? Um, so I continued to expand my knowledge, um, and get as much information as I could so I can look at the body from different points of view. So if you come at me or come to me with more of a traditional fitness, I can do it from personal training. I can do it from a Pilates point of view. I can do it from a yoga point of view and I can mix them all together, mix it up and throw them out and see what happens. Um, Which I think is really beneficial for my clients um, so that they can get what they want. I think it's really important to have it from their point of view. Um, And then in 2006, I moved to Austin, Texas and went to massage school. So I added in the next layer. (laughs) Because you know, why stop with, you know, a master's degree? Um, (laughs) Exactly. So, um, so that continued it. And having all this knowledge I had from my injuries, um, it just, you know, made me more of a I'm a more of a medical massage person. You have issues, they come to me. And that's the kind of clientele I still get and I thoroughly enjoy. Um, but it's not just you come for body work. You're also coming for, okay, here's some things to do at home. Because the big component of this is you need to work on yourself. I can work on you, but it's the time in between our sessions where they get the benefit. Whether it's physical movements, whether it's massage, whether it's I'm working with you on your run form. Um, so we have all those components that go in and that's really where body, body whispering came about. It was like somebody says, oh, I have this going on and I just process for a few minutes and look at them, watch them move and like, hey, let's try this and see what happens. Um, and they're like, how did you do that? This is from years of experience. Um, and then after massage school, I got back into triathlon 
Um, so I've actually done a half Ironman with this hip that they said would be in pain for the rest of my life. Um, and my last race for running was a half marathon. I did the Glacier Half Marathon uh, in 2019, right before COVID started. And six weeks beforehand, that knee that had been hit and impacted in the auto accident, it did a lateral tibial shift. Oof. Yeah. So it so, so the left leg was the one that I fell on. So it the right leg's been dominant for 25 years now. So it finally said, I've had enough. So I actually had a knee replacement in December. Um, and I'm going for a knee replacement in October for the other one because it has a totally different structural issue. Right. Um, so so yeah, that's where I am. That's where my running is. I'm told after I get the second knee and rehab it and get through that, then I'll be able to run again. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's so amazing because I'm listening to you talk and listen, I'm someone, I have two master's degrees myself and just uh, the different certifications that I have. And I love learning mm -hmm. and just the different components of, of working with people. Right. right. So when I hear you talking about the body whisper, I'm thinking of how you've spent so much of your life trying to understand the layers of mm -hmm. the bodily experience it's right. not just oh let's fix you and make you better but it's also the okay so let's understand your body in space let's understand right. how your body moves and then let's figure out what you need to do outside of our time together so that you can continue to move in the way that you want to move yes it's really fascinating when did the run coaching piece come in um i got uh, I got my USA triathlon run coach search maybe 2010, 2012. Um, and then the RRCA certification, one of my athletes wanted to go take it and she was afraid to do it on her own. So I took that two or three years ago. And again, just adding more layers of knowledge. Um, it was funny. I was sitting up at the front and everybody's hit the, the Randy was like, okay, go ahead and write down what you learned. And I'm not writing anything. Cause this is all reviewed for me. And it's funny. It's like, why aren't you writing anything? So we'll go, well, I am an exercise physiologist. <laughs> and he kept saying, not everybody's an exercise physiologist. So I am an exercise physiologist. This is good review for me. And again, brings running back to the forefront in my brain. So I'm going to look at everything now from more of a running point of view again. Right. It's, um, I had someone ask me about the, the RRCA and just the different type of run coaching. I've done two mm -hmm. at this point, um, but I have spoken to people who have done multiple ones. And it's so interesting to hear people's feedback of like, okay, this, this, I learned this little bit from this training, but I still had to go somewhere else to learn more. Like our, our process of learning is never done. Mm -hmm. yes. And there's again, like always these layers, but I also love the I think what I appreciate from all your experience, and this is something I've spoken to other people about, is how oftentimes we get professionals, and this is, I'm not trying to speak poorly of anyone, but how oftentimes we get professionals who practice outside of their scope mm -hmm. and outside of what they know. And particularly with runners, I find that you'll have a lot of practitioners who don't necessarily understand the mental approach or the mental state right. of a runner mm -hmm. and they will either prescribe things that aren't necessarily helpful or either, you know, it's like you go six weeks without running and then all of a sudden you're supposed to be healed and you can go back to running completely. And it's like, no, wait, you actually can't or maybe <laughs> yeah, you don't exactly. need to take the break. So I just appreciate that you've done so much work to really understand the wholeness of the people that you work right. with. I was wondering if you can kind of go back, because I don't think I've actually talked to anyone about this. So I'm really excited to ask you in okay. terms of running, mm -hmm. what is the typical movement pattern of a runner so that people can, or we can just start to build that foundation of this is how a runner moves. And mm -hmm. now this is why a runner would benefit from moving in different ways. So what's the typical pattern of running for a runner? The good pattern or what they come with? Yeah, what do you commonly see? I'm curious. <laughs> what I commonly see is they have tight hips and they try to run from their knees or their shoulders. 
What do you mean by knees or shoulders? Um, they put more of the movement in their knees without moving their hips or they over-exaggerate this, you know, they, they, it's kind of like a tornado, boom, 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 boom. Um, side to side motion as opposed to forward and back motion. Um, so the shoulders should be relatively still. It's kind of like always like um, you have a piece of clothes on a top on a hanger. And, you know, if you hold on to the bottom, you know, if you move the bottom, the top moves, right? The hanger moves. But if you try to move the top, the bottom doesn't move. So we want everything moving together and synergistically. Um, so people should be moving from the pelvis. And that's where your power and your motion, your efficiency comes from. But what do we do all day long? We sit. Okay, so we're hip flexor dominance. Um, hamstrings are weak. And this is one I, I argue with some people I've been to rehab with, um, is that the, we, we ignore like working the hamstrings at the knee. We do squats, we do deadlifts, but we don't do hamstring at the knee. And that creates an imbalance and helps facilitate that hip flexor dominance, which is a really interesting concept. Yeah. Yeah. How would people work the hamstring at the knee? Um, hamstring curls. So at home, you could start with lying on the ground with your knees and hips at 90 degrees and your feet on the wall and just trying to lift your hips up using the back of your legs. Something as simple as that. That's a good place to start. Um, from there, they could go to feet up on a big resistor ball and pulling in and out. Um, that's a little bit more challenging. If you have a wheelie chair, not everybody has a resistor ball. It's, it's crazy to think that they don't, but um, that's me. <laughs> um, but a wheelie chair, same thing, pull in and out, you know, do it with your hips on the ground, then do it with your hips lifted. Um, then you can get into the standing curls. You don't have to go to the gym to work your hamstrings. Um, you can do it effectively at home. Um, so those are some easy ways to do it. Right. So going back to what you said, right? Runners have very much so this forward movement pattern. Mm -hmm. And in life, pretty much we are forward movement. Like it's even when you're thinking about when you're walking around the grocery store, or mm -hmm. I think to your to what you said as well, it's, there's a lot of sitting that happens. So even that, I think of that as like, okay, we're going up. And down, like up, mm -hmm. down, back, forth, back, forth. And I just, it's the human body. I find so amazing because we put a lot of time and effort into running. Mm -hmm. And it is really hard to find the desire or the energy to put ourselves into other movement patterns. So, yes. what other movement patterns that we should be open to? adding to our overall wellness because I think I feel like runners reach a point mm -hmm. in their runner lives where they realize oh I want to do this forever or I want to do this for a lot longer like I you know I'm someone who I initially got in because I wanted to be a good role model for my children and what kept me motivated in those early years was racing I loved mm -hmm. to race I did a lot of racing I was younger so my body recovered quicker I didn't need to do much to warm up before a run cool down right. after a run I I got away with a lot and the older I get, the more I realize, oh, no, I have to start moving my body in very different ways in order for me to sustain the level of running that I want to do. So mm -hmm. I've made that realization. How right. do you help? I guess it's a two-part question. So right. how do you help people see the importance of other types of movement? And then how do you explain to people the other types of movement that they should do? Um, so with, uh, part one, how do I incorporate or get them to see the movement? Um, so I will have them do like laterals, um, side steps, slides, whatever you want to call them. And they suddenly see the benefit and they're like, Oh, where have you been all my life? I've had that someone actually say that to me, um, or doing the grapevine or karaoke over under, depending on what they call it. Um, again, it's a lateral movement with rotation. So something as simple as that, and they get benefit out of it. And they're like, oh, okay. So now what other activities do you enjoy that would have lateral movements? And the more we can get those in, it would be more beneficial. 
So they come up, oh, I like playing tennis. I like pickleball. Great. That's a lot of side to side. You know, you could do a little basketball. You know, it could be something as you add in a lap on the track doing laterals. Um, so it doesn't have to be anything big. It just has to be a little. And then they start seeing, oh, I changed my movement pattern to this. It's better. Um, I recently had one of my marathoners go from marathon to triathlon, which she hasn't done in 20 years. And, you know, and she's enjoying the variety, like biking. It feels so different from running. And now she's enjoying running more because she's not beating up her body with that pounding, pounding, pounding. Um, same thing with swimming for her, you know, get something in there. Not everybody's a swimmer. I get that. Um, so again, start from where they are. Show them the benefit of getting that movement pattern in, maybe on a drill day maybe on, okay, this is your goal for this run. I'm going to program in, you do one minute of slides, see what happens. Um, so that was part one. Did that cover part one and part two? I think it did. That's why I'm like, wait, I, I think you kind of, you kind of did. Cause we were talking about <laughs> lateral movement, right? So that's something that I, in my experience, at least in my experience with my uh -huh. body and in people that I work with, I always think of or I try to explain it to people, running is this, running is forward. Right. You're very compact for the mm -hmm. most part, right? Like right. unless your elbows are like flailing out for the most part, you're very, <laughs> <laughs> for the most part, we're very compact. And I try to tell people, you know, my experience is, is with yoga because that's, mm -hmm. that's something I teach similar to you. It's like, that's right. something that I went to learn more because I was just curious about the physical experience of it, the mental experience of it, how it can be practiced in different ways, depending on where you are, what studio you go to. Mm -hmm. And that's something that has been, for me, yoga and running have been such wonderful compliments to one another because running, I'm very much so I'm in this pattern, moving forward, right foot in front mm -hmm. of left foot, like always like that. Whereas yoga, I have to open up to the side. Everywhere. I have to, yes, my arms have to be away from one another. My hips are open. There's a lot of just different fluidity of motion I find mm -hmm. when I practice other things. So I really appreciate how you brought up this concept of you enjoy the running more mm -hmm. and you move in other ways. Right. Now, what if you get someone, and I'm, I'm going to assume you, you have had people that are like that, where it's like, Sharon, all I have time is for running. I can't do anything else. And they tell you they're not even open to doing anything while they're running. So like how you said, oh, we'll program one minute, one minute of lateral. What if they tell you like, look, I don't have time for that. I don't want to do that. How do you have that conversation with them to get them to just, just be curious? Cause I find for me, it's like, can we just be curious, give it a try. And then mm -hmm. and see? how do you talk to people about that? Um, I kind of actually come at it from that curiosity point of view. Um, and again, education, I think is a big part of getting them to understand this is really what you need to do. Um, so maybe even it's okay. So you have five minutes sitting there in front of the TV, right? So the commercial break, let's do something. Um, yeah, we all sit in front of, I sit in front of the TV because at the end of the day, I'm like, um, but, uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it's a challenge, but you also have to see, um, Maybe you approach it from what are the other things that they enjoy? Mm. Okay. Um, maybe they understand that it's part of the warm up. Okay, I can do it as I'm walking out the door. I can start doing my slides. I don't have to do it in the run, I can do it before. Um, sometimes, if you add toys, it helps. So maybe I give them a band and they do the crab walks. Um, it, it's, it's really a conversation and it's trial and error is what it is. But yeah, it's some people is challenging. I don't think I've had anybody resist and I've had some people say like, okay, can we start adding some drills in specifically so that they understand and they get that? Um, the other thing I will try to add in on them is hills, because if you do slides up hills, 
yeah, that expression on your face is yeah. what I normally get. But once they do, it's like, I only have to do one hill that way. Okay, I got the hill picked out. This is a really small one over there. But man, that was tough. <gasps> ah, sneak it in. So what's worse than hills? Pretty much nothing, right? Yeah, yeah. Unless you went with me, we have a whole hashtag, I eat hills for breakfast. Um, so we love hills, but we also love drills on hills. So we do a lot of drills. So um, so sometimes it's from that point of view. And it's like, what's the worst thing? Hills, people don't like, let's make it fun. So um and again, from their point of view, what's what's going to work? So the other thing I will add in, since I also know you're a Pilates instructor, is Pilates side leg series. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everybody hates it. And I'm like, oh, it's Pilates side leg series time. It's my favorite time of class. And they're like, Sharon, you're weird. <laughs> but it is so good. Um, and it gets so much stuff in and happening. And it's exciting. So again, they have options, right? What's the worst? What's the best? What are they willing to do so they don't have to do Pilates side leg series? Yeah, it's so true. And I think it's, I, it's, I, that's, I love the side leg series and that'll be something that like, even in my yoga classes, I'll throw it in because mm -hmm. it's so great. Just when you're thinking about like stabilizing your hips and right. more controlled movement. And that was for me, again, in my experience, I have yoga, which is it's a little more flowy. It's there's, I, you know, you have your transitions, whereas Pilates, there's a different intentionality right. with that movement, different mindset, yeah. too. different mindset, different language that you use with it, different engagement of muscles. Mm -hmm. So I know for me, I love all of that stuff because it does. I mean, again, I've been running for the length of time that I've been running. And at this point, I want to keep running for as long as possible. So mm -hmm. that makes me more open to trying different things that are going to facilitate that, but also help me feel. And I don't know, maybe in your experience, I'll say this, and then you can kind of tune into it. I, I feel like the older I've gotten, the harder it feels to be stable on my runs, if that makes sense. So I feel like a lot of the work that I do, whether it be through strength training, whether it be through yoga or through something like Pilates, my mm -hmm. intention going into that is to figure out how to stabilize my body, whether I'm, you know, on one foot or there is that side leg series or just, you know, using a band to engage more. Is that right. something that's unique? to me or is that something you see no that is something that's part of the normal aging process sadly but again the thing to do to prevent it is to do all these things so i've also added in you mentioned single leg balance stuff yes so if somebody doesn't want to do side leg series okay let's do some single leg balance work um and i'm finding that is getting a lot of benefit again as long as they're lifted up out of the pelvis and they're engaged and so that gets a little bit more than just side leg series now. So is it possibly better? Maybe. Um, but again, if somebody's, I don't have to get down on the ground to do a single leg balance. Um, but yes, after age 30, we start to lose muscle mass. Um, neural adaptations start to decline unless we keep training them. Um, we have hormone changes as women. So, you know, we got to be conscientious of that. And how is that going to impact us as we go through the process of menopause? Um, so a lot of aging process, we have to work harder to stay where we are. And that's not just for women, it's for men too. Yeah. I mean, that's why I've, I've put more intention to other movement modalities, the older mm -hmm. ones got in because of that, because I'm like, oh, wait a minute, I'm going to start losing muscle mass. So let me actually push myself for instance, mm -hmm. in with when it comes to weight training, right? For the longest right. time, I was like, oh, okay, let's do, you know, 10, 12 pound weights. Now it's like, okay, no, let's pick up that 20 pound weight. Let's see how heavy we can go. And for me, it's, that's learning. Like the continual right. path of learning is, mm -hmm. is what I, gosh, what was it? Maybe within the last two years that I, I didn't even know that. I And again, I find it amazing that I can be a woman and not know about the things that are happening in my body. Like, yeah. I'm a woman and I didn't know that muscle mass, like I've heard of osteoporosis and things like that, but mm -hmm. in my mind, I'm like, oh, that's decades away. And then I learned the research and it's like, no, it's actually right now. Like this is the stuff it's happening right 
now. It's decades away that we're going to notice the impact if we don't do something right now. Yes. Yes. That's it. And I didn't know. So I was like, wait a minute, then I need to not like this stuff is, is, is for longevity and not just the discomfort of the moment, which I'm curious if you have people or how do you talk to them? And this is something I'm always so fascinated with as well Mm -hmm. is once people start doing different movement modalities, how maybe they'll get discouraged by doing them because they'll, they feel that those other modalities make them too sore for running. Yes. So it could be that they're not doing that modality, right? But my guess would be they're using muscles they've not tapped into before. So guess what? You're going to be sore until they get stronger. Um, So maybe back it down, maybe a little bit more time, a little more rest in between. Um, Again, if it's, if it's, if it's strength training, okay, go get in a walk or a short run or a bike afterwards. So that helps get all the nutrients to those working muscles better. And you have a little less soreness. Um, So sometimes it could be that it could be patterning. It could be, okay, let's look at your whole program. Maybe they're doing too much at too high of an intensity too. They're not getting those recovery days. You know, back when you were younger, when you were running, what? Go slow? I'm not going slow. That's a long run. I got to get it in fast. Um, So again, education on our part to them on you need those recovery days. And I have seen people, I had an athlete recently who uh, she always pushed her zone two runs and she finally figured it out. You know, it's like, okay, give me like a month of this and let's just see what happens. Um, And then she's like, oh, I get it now. So that's part of that, that programming, that, that bartering that you do with your clients too. Yeah. And I think that's part of it too, that you have to convince people or invite them or encourage them to Mm -hmm. give it time. And I find that runners in particular are not always great at giving things time and like giving the space to figure it out because sometimes it's not immediate. And I mean, what's immediate and it's happened to me before too. Like people, Mm -hmm. I want you to know where it's, I start a new strength training program and I am really sore and it frustrates me on my run. But to your point of the consistency with doing it, reduces the soreness or I don't know like I think it's what you said the body gets used to the movement pattern so Mm -hmm. then it does become easier to load or like it's heavier in that movement pattern because my body now knows what to expect right in an ideal world what would be the things that you would recommend people at least try out to add into their overall wellness routine um, and I know it's person dependent. It's person dependent. So if we're saying that this person is a runner because this is the podcast. Um, I would actually try getting a walk in every week. Mm. It slows you down. It brings you down to that zone one recovery. You can work on your run technique while you're walking. You should walk like you run. Um, I would get in hills if they aren't already. I would strengthen uh, hamstring at the knee, those knee curls that we talked about. Um, also I would work on upper back and thoracic spine posture. Cause again, we tend to be here. So when you're running, all your lungs are collapsed and compressed. So again, that yoga that we were talking about, or you just lay on the ground with your legs up on the couch, your arms out, mm. um, static back from a um, different modalities call it different things, static floor, strain, counter strain. It releases the pelvis. It resets the spine. It opens the chest. So when I was going through my chronic pain, this is one of the things that I would do. um, And I would end up taking naps here, but it would help reset my pelvis so that I could function. And pretty much everybody's got a little bit of a rotation or something in their pelvis. So resetting your pelvis is a great thing. You also get a little downtime. It activates your parasympathetic, your chill and chill out nervous system. That's a good thing. Um, so in that one activity, you're doing lots of things. Um, so that's another thing I would do. Um, so upper back work, 
work on where that head is. Um, you can just do head back against the wall, pull the chin back, head retractions. Um, but really getting this, a lot of people, especially strength training, you know, so focus on the chest, focus on the chest, but we fail to focus on the back, the upper back. So high rows, rotator cuff work, um, lots of different variety you can do in, in that. But those would be the things that I would focus on if you wanted just a few things. I really try to only give my people like three to five things per day at home. Anything more than that, it gets overwhelming. Yeah, and uh, I think that's something I'm curious in your opinion, how much time do people need to spend on those extra things? Because I feel like people also overestimate how much time they have to do. And I really, I really appreciated that you shared the whole watching TV thing, because mm -hmm. that's usually what I tell people when people tell me, oh, I don't have time to stretch. I don't have time to do any of this. I, my immediate question is always, do you watch TV? Right. And usually the answer is yes. And I'm like, well, then that's a good time for you to do something like lay your mat, get a pillow, get on the floor. You can do a few right. things while you're watching, while you're watching whatever it is that you're watching. So in your experience, how much time do people actually need to invest to in themselves to do this stuff? I would say if they're really keyed in, they could do it in 10 minutes. Okay. Um, again, that's if they're keyed in and they could even set a timer, you know, timers are easy. We have Alexa over here. She's going to start talking now, um, saying, Hey, your time's up. You know, it's easy to set a timer, have your phone do it. Um, get that commitment. Um, also writing it on a calendar. I like paper calendars for this reason. Like, Hey, I did this. I did this. Um, I still do uh, rehab for my knee and I had some ankle issues with my knee replacement. So I'm still doing that. I'm down to 10 minutes a day, but if I don't do that, I feel it, but that's something I do daily. And I try to work it in before I go out the door and do my stuff, um, before I go do my biking or my swimming right now. Um, so yeah, 10 minutes, 30 minutes maybe to start, but it's going to whittle down and maybe you break that 30 minutes up. You know, how does it fit into your day? And I think that is really the key. You got to figure out where it goes. Right. Because I feel like we get really, at least for myself, oftentimes there's that overthinking component of, oh, I have all this to do. Plus I need to do the run. Now I need to do a warm up before my run and a cool down after my run. And now you're telling me I need to do strength training. Now you're telling me I need to do this. And it's like, I, what I'm hearing from you is that it's, it's all about like strategy and how do you, how do you create that strategy for yourself where it all fits in? Because right. I even think even, even now, right? Like we're in a world where we're attached to our phones. So mm -hmm. now it's the question is, it's not so much, do you watch TV, but it's also like, how much time do you spend scrolling on, your on Instagram or right. on your phone? Because that's time that, that you could be doing something else and mm -hmm. 10 minutes, 10 minutes isn't a lot. I had someone tell me, and they're the ones that like shifted my whole perspective on the warm up. Mm -hmm. And he had told me, oh gosh, he was a he was a strength coach, and he had said your five minute warm up that could save you five minutes on your run, right? Like going mm -hmm. into it with your muscles ready and yes. activated to go. That's wherever needed. Yeah, exactly. That's the time that you can save there. So kind of coming back, because I find that people who are in between seasons or in between events through mm -hmm. running are more open to trying different right. movement modalities. Mm -hmm. How do you encourage people to keep it up once they start entering a more focused training portion? Uh, part of it is taking, okay, so if you were an off season, we expand that extra stuff that you do, but we compress it down. They've seen the value in it. Now let's again, fine tune it. What do we need to keep doing and get it down to that 10 minutes um, so that during season we're efficient. We're really focusing on what you need. This is now specific to you. And the cat says, hello. Meow. Um, <laughs> uh, so that's, Again, they get the benefit. They understand by the time they've come out of that off season, I need this. This is for me. 
So again, it's education on our part, our part to make sure that they see this has value. Um, okay, so here's something I just, I wanna like my face when you said that, I was like- It lit up. Yes, it lit <laughs> up. Cause I'm like, it's so true because I find, and again, I'm making generalizations here, but y'all, if you hear this, you know, it's true for some of you. I know it was true for myself where I didn't give myself an off season, right? Like I went from one event to another event, to another event, to another event, to another event. Right. When you have an athlete like that, how do you, because it's, it's so true. And again, like my face lit Mm -hmm. up when you said it, because I'm like, wait a minute, that, that is whenever there's a lull in my running, that is when I try new things like that. I remember, and I'll give two examples here, two examples. So the first time I ever tried yoga was because I had a running injury. So Mm. I couldn't run and that's why I tried yoga. The first time I went to a spinning class was because I was in between marathon cycles. And I did both of those things. I love them. I had a great time because it was such a different movement modality. And Mm -hmm. I I really do believe that the key is, is fun teachers. (laughs) Like if you have a fun teacher that makes it really engaging, that just captures your mind in a different Mm -hmm. way. So hearing you say that, it just brought that up of like, oh, wait, those times when I have tried Mm -hmm. different classes have been this, I believe it was the same with Pilates as well. It has been in this in-between period. So what do we do about those athletes that don't take any kind of off season? Don't. Yeah. So here in Texas, we don't really have bad winters. So we have all the road races in the winter, and then you get into triathlon season in the summer. So there's really no off season. Um, So you use the time after your events. Mm. you're on recovery for a week or two right yeah Yeah, let's go try something new um it could be okay we've you've got your calendar set of events now let's go prioritize your events because not all of them are a races so c race we're going to say hey that's still an off season or down season so we're not worried here but we're working on this during that race so give them a different goal during that race um also the unusual off seasons so here in Texas, I used to take July and August off. That was my off season because it's so bleeping hot. And I would work on other things. And everybody thought I was strange until we had a really hot summer. And they're like, oh, now we see why you used to do that. Yeah. Um, so finding those times, those down ones, that's, again, part of what a coach can do for you, right? Is help you see these things and help you program your season. So people are doing like one event a month, you know, like that could be a little too much. You don't get any training in, but you need to get that in. So two or three real big A races is what I recommend if you're a runner and a triathlete. So, you know, but it depends on the event. If it's a half iron, different story. Yeah. If it's a marathon, different story. Yeah. I mean, cause the demands on the body are different, but I, yeah. I just really, <laughs> the, again, my faith lit up because it's such a beautiful invitation of, Hey, take this off season. And the reason part of why my face lit up is because it's again, one of the things that I talk about a lot is how there's multiple ways to be a runner and that we can engage in this sport in different, in ways that are beyond the physical act of running. So hearing you say that it's like, oh, here is something when the running side of things is a little bit slower, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. slower or less that is a perfect opportunity to incorporate something else that is going to help you be a stronger runner, right? Whether it's physically stronger or mentally stronger in the long run. And I even just appreciate so much how you say, okay, that's a time period where you can figure out like, what what do I actually need right now? So then when you go into your training, you're not necessarily taking, you know, the one hour long strength class, but you've taken enough of those hour long strength class to figure out, oh, here are the five moves that I really need that feel good for me. Let me focus on that once I'm training with a little more intention. Uh, same with like, well, like, like yoga class, like you've mentioned, people think, oh, I need to go to an hour, hour 15 class. Like, no, you can do it in about 10 minutes. So one of the things that got me out of my chronic pain was um, I was doing my yoga teacher trainer. And at that time, 
Um, so my lineage is Vinny yoga, which is very therapeutic. Um, so we came up with maybe a 15 minute routine that I did every day for six months. Now imagine the power, mental power of that, plus the physical changes that happen. Cause they're going to see a little bit of change in the beginning, but you know, it's the progression and the overload every time. And every time I went into that session, I was a different person. So even though it was the same moves every time, it felt different because I was physically in a different place, mentally in a different place. So not just with yoga, but with any other exercise that they're movements that they're doing to benefit them, to get them out of whatever their chronic issues are, which is another story we haven't even talked about that today. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, it's the consistency. It's like, what's, what do I need to do? What if I super hyper-focus in what, what's really the benefit for me here? Not this big body pump class. So. Yeah. And I, that is so important because I find that where people do get stuck is that time component is that, Oh no, I don't have time for an hour long class or no. I don't have time, um, you know, to drive to the gym, to go do this, to go do that. Where again, it's like the invitation that you're giving is you don't need to do that. You can do you it at home. There's stuff you can figure out at home and it's YouTube videos. There's YouTube videos. I mean, you can, you can Google, or on YouTube, 20 minute yoga, yoga for runners and something will right. pop up. Exactly. And I find that it's so interesting for me. Cause again, I'm, I'm thinking through the lens of my experience where I tried something in between bigger seasons of mm -hmm. running and then I really fell in love with it. So now doing it isn't, you're not pulling my teeth to do the things right. that I discovered that I liked. So again, it goes back to what you had said earlier about the curiosity, like getting people curious about trying things, but then also giving them permission to not have to do an hour. hour long class, like a big, a big, big thing. One of the curiosities I have, so let's assume you have a runner that comes to you or someone who's interested in run coaching and they want to work with you. And you're looking at their schedule and you're seeing, oh, they do a lot already. They do, you know, they're going to Pilates twice a week. They're going, they're doing their strength training three times a week. And then they're doing yoga another three days a week. And you're kind of looking at their schedule and you're like, hmm, when is this person resting? And right. now we want to add yoga to that. So we've talked about the runner who would benefit from incorporating more. How about that person who's coming to you? Yeah, that you're like, well, we need to kind of start subtracting stuff. What does that discussion look like with them? Um, it kind of goes back to why are they adding running or why are they running? What are they doing? And what are they getting out of it? Mm. Maybe they're at Pilates class because it's social. Mm. Okay, so let's play with that and see... Okay, you can still go to Pilates class because you know you like the social component. You need that, but maybe we tweak it a little bit and educate you how to modify the exercises so that you're not fatiguing your body. Mm. So it, it's emphasis changes. Maybe we do that. Okay, the strength training today is going to be um, you're going to more that endurance strength as opposed to like lifting the heavy heavy weights. Um, like what is within each individual component that they value and why do they do that? And then maybe as we start tweaking that, they start to see, oh, I do feel better. I want to run more now. So there's a compromise again. What are we willing to change in order to get better at running? Okay. Yeah. And yeah. it's always like hard, 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 like we talked about earlier. So let's change that. Let's change that, that intensity variable. Yeah. And that's great because again, like in my experience, you'll, I feel like there's two camps. There's the people who only run and that's all they want to do. And mm -hmm. adding anything else, it's something that's, that's a challenge for them. And then you'll have people who do a lot of other things and then they want to add the running to it. And there's, it's like, I, I laugh and I, I'm going to ask this question because I asked it of someone else. Where do you, or I'm just going to ask it of all these, of all, okay. I'm going to do the three big four. Let's go with four. Okay. okay. When it comes to cross training, would you consider yoga a cross training activity? Cross training for running? Yeah. 
Yes. Why would you consider it a cross training for running? Because it's different movement patterns than what you do in running. Okay. Same question for Pilates. Yes. And then again, it's different movement patterns and you can start to focus in on your deficiencies, both with yoga and Pilates. With strength training, is that considered a cross training activity? Yes. And why? Again, you're getting different movement patterns than you normally would. And you're balancing out what running creates any, any, any deficiencies. And then something like spinning? Definitely cross training. Again, is- same patterns. Some of them, you know, and you're also looking at the energy um, systems. You're using different energy systems than you would with running. Because the Pilates, the yoga, even strength training, you know, they're more anaerobic. Granted, some of our running is anaerobic, but it's not to the extent of this. So I'm training a different energy system. Cycling, again, different energy system possibly, but different neural patterning. So everything's a different neural pattern that we did it, that we just talked about. So that is cross-training and teaching the brain, the nervous system to function differently. Yeah, I love that definition of cross-training because it's and it and again it all connects back to me it all connects back to to you being the body whisperer and that, just that idea of all these different movement patterns what they're doing is creating greater awareness of you and your body and how your body moves in space yes okay. i agree okay yeah. so i love all of that because i to me, it's, and it took me a while. I, I wanted, I want it to be very clear to people. It took me a while. Like, yes, I got into yoga because of the injury, but mm-hmm. I, I, to this day, I still say running is my number one movement modality. It's the thing I love the most. I do other things to support me as a runner, but I can, you know, I, I tell people, I'm like, if I, if I can't run, I will be heartbroken. But if I never take another yoga class, I'll mm-hmm. survive. Like I'll <laughs> yeah. figure it out. Even right. though I know those movement patterns are really good for me. So I really appreciated what you said because it's there is so much that I've learned about myself through yoga. There are lessons of being in my body, of being in my breath, of relaxing my shoulders, mm-hmm. of lengthening my spine that I've gotten in yoga that then translate into running. Just like there's things that I've learned about myself as a runner that have then come into other things, such as, you know, something as simple as uh, if I can go run for an hour, I can, I can do this 30 minute strength training session. Like I like right. time wise, I can do it. So when you have someone that's coming to you, I mean, I have my own personal experience. In your experience, what are the anecdotes from your experience that you bring to people to help them buy into the importance of moving their bodies outside of running? Um. A lot of people that I coach are mostly triathletes, so they already multi-sports, but even adding the other stuff in, um, I think it actually starts more with like the drills with running and they get the different movement patterns. Okay, so this did this for me. How can I get more of this? And then, okay, what are you willing to do? Do you want, are you interested in, what are you interested in? You want to do strength training? You want to do Pilates? You want to do your own stretching? What do you want to do in order to continue this and improve what you love running? Um, So again, it comes back to what are you willing to do to enhance what you love? I, I feel like, and that's great. That's such a beautiful complimentary question because one of the things that I focus on so much is let's understand why, right? Why are you doing what you're doing? Mm -hmm but you take it deeper. That's like a deeper question of like, what are you willing to do Mm -hmm. for what you love? Because let me tell you, you asking me that I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be more motivated to do those other things or to at least 
give them a try. And it really, I do think of like my, my experience with spinning. I had a friend who she was like, let's go to spinning. Let's go to spinning for years. And for years I told her, nope, I'm not going to do it. My focus is running. I don't want to do anything that's going to get me sore for running. Like that was totally my experience. And then I took a spinning class. I was sore, but I went back and spinning stopped. I stopped being sore from spinning Mm -hmm. and I was able to run. But at that point, it's, I didn't have someone like you telling me, Hey, the movement pattern is new. So you are going to feel something. Right. And that's like, hopefully everyone gets that. Like that's a big Mm -hmm. takeaway here of like new movement patterns are going to create just different connections in the Mm -hmm. body. You can also think about, you know, somebody's coming and they're not improving. They need to change something. Hmm. Because, you know, what you're doing right now is not getting you where you want to go. So I have a lot of massage clients. They say, come in and fix me, but they don't want to do things at home. You know, same thing with your runner. I want to get better at running, but I'm not willing to do anything. Okay, then there. Why are we having this conversation? Okay, so again, let's go back to what are you willing to do? Some people like I don't like yoga. I'm not doing yoga. I'm like, great, don't do yoga. Let's find out what you like. And that I think is really the key. A lot of doctors will say, you know, oh, you have high blood pressure. You should go do yoga. It's not internal. They don't want to do yoga. So they're not going to do it. They're going to resent going. Same thing with running. Okay. How can I make your running better? What are you willing to do to make what you love better? So, yeah. 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 I mean, Hey, thinking of myself, I want to be a stronger runner and you know, part of being a stronger runner means that I do have to run those hill sprints, right? Yeah. Like that I do have, I do have to eat that hill for breakfast, even if yes, I, you do. Yes, I you have do. to, and you know, I will curse when I'm doing it, but when I finish, I feel so, Yummy. yeah, I feel stronger. <laughs> yeah. So if you could, if we could wrap up this conversation with, Ooh, okay, that's a, you know, like a call to action for people just so that we're crystal, crystal clear and people get it. What would your call to action be to runners right now? To runners, I would say be curious and try something different. Mm. See what happens. See how your running changes. And then ask questions. And if people don't like you asking questions, keep finding other people to ask questions of. Um, the more you know as a runner, the better you're going to be. Yeah, and I want to piggyback off of that because, and I think, again, that this is part of what we were, we've been talking about is that the more you move your body in different ways, the more you learn about your body and the more you learn what works for you, the more you learn what is fun for you. And also just, and this is this is a concept that I've been loving so much of where I'm at with running, it's how can I do the least to get the most? Yes. Yes. It's that 10 minutes, break it down into 10 minutes that we were just talking about. Yes. Yeah. So I think it's also just listening to you. It's that, okay, in the beginning, maybe you have to invest more time in what you're doing, but once you've figured it out, once you've committed to it Mm -hmm. for a certain period of time. Yes, that's the key right there. A certain period of time. It's going to take a while to figure it out. So again, that off season, maybe you learn one thing or that down season, you learn one thing. Great. We take that into the next build phase. And that's everything at once. You'll hear it when you're ready for it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So I have two more questions for you. So First question is, in your opinion, what can we do to make running more accessible and inclusive? Uh, That is a good question. Um, More accessible. um, Part of that would be a safe place to run. So tracks are typically good. Are there parks around? Get a running buddy. Um, And then you know, running doesn't take anything more than a pair of shoes and a desire to go out and run. So anybody can go do this. Um, but again, maybe it's that accountability and I need someone there to hold my hand. So, you know, creating communities where you really advocate everybody 
all levels of running, but all levels of people, regardless of anything else, you know, that's our going to be our key. Um, and I really, I started a track program here when I got to Taylor. Um, I charge for it because that's what I do for a living. Um, but, you know, it's really encouraging everybody to come and be, you know, be who you are. Start from where you are. You know, if you want to walk, that's great. If you're a Boston viewer, that's fine. I'll accept you into the program and everybody's welcome. So if they see that diversity in skill levels, hopefully they'll see the diversity in, oh, everybody can join in here. It's not just about, you know, those people that can afford it. Oh, you can't afford it? Talk to me. Um, you know, that answer your question? It does. And I just... I'm such a, I love asking this question because it really does reflect each person's experience, but mm -hmm. it's also just so, so important for us to ask those questions of, okay, what can I do in my community? What can right. I do? What awareness am I bringing to my community? And also just, again, there's so many ways to be a runner and mm -hmm. there, you just come, you come as you are and yes. that's enough doesn't matter. I know for me, I hear uh, so often of uh, I'm too slow. I can't do it. Or I'm, I'm not fast enough. And it's like, just come, just come. Just come there's, there's someone, there's someone who's waiting to meet you and someone who wants to do that walk with you. Um, okay. Final question is okay. where can we find out more about you and what do you have coming up that we can celebrate you in? Uh, my website is ambermoonstudio.com. Um, events coming up. I'm actually doing my first aqua bike since the knee replacement, uh, next Saturday. So this will be July 7th, sorry, Sunday. Um, so after this podcast comes out, um, so I've got that event coming up. I've got the Texas Mamma Jamma fundraiser. It's a bike event. Um, here it's actually here in Taylor. So it's hyper local to Texas, but it's a really big deal. It's about the big pink bus and getting mammograms to communities. Speaking about inclusive, inclusive, inclusivity, um, getting to communities that may not be able to afford it. I know, right. It's cool. So, uh, that's a fundraiser I have going on. Um, and then I have another sprint aqua bike two weeks no, a month and two weeks before I have knee replacement number two, October 30th. So that's what I've got going on. And then coaching middle school for 10 weeks. It'll be fun. <laughs> that's going to be really exciting because it's that the opportunity to inspire a new generation and to bring, right. again, like everything that you know about the importance of moving the body in different ways, like it mm -hmm. really does start with seeing other people do it, right? Like right. seeing people embrace it then you're like, okay, the, it's, it's a little bit easier to buy in. But if all you're seeing is people running, then you're like, oh, wait, that's all that that's all it is. That's I can't. Yeah. Right. So I love that. Well, Sharon, I want to thank you so much for this great conversation. It's been fun. Thank you. If anybody watches this, they're going to see my face light up <laughs> several times because you said stuff. And I was like, yes, like, okay. Yes. It's just, you can never, I feel like the gift you gave me today is that reminder of we're, we're always new and it's always exciting to discover something new yes. about yourself or to reflect back on however long your journey has been to like pick up a different piece of it and understand it in a different way. And that was just something, mm -hmm. the words that you said, I'm like, oh yeah, that is when I did that. And look at me now, like here oh. I am. So I want to thank you for that. Do you have any final words for us? Um, just go be curious, go have fun, try different things and keep running. <laughs> keep running y'all. All right. See ya. See you next time. Bye everyone. Bye. This conversation with Sharon brought me so much joy. When I first started running, all I did was run. The older I've gotten, however, the more I've come to experience the importance of moving in different ways. And you know what? The more I've moved my body in different ways, the more I have fun when I move my body. And that feeling of fun seeps into my running, making running more enjoyable. 
Thank you, Sharon, for the invitation to get curious about all the ways we can move our bodies that will help us be our strongest, most confident, and happiest runner selves. For more on Sharon, give her a follow on Instagram at Amber Moon Studio Texas and check out her website at ambermoonstudio.com. How else do you like to move? I would love to hear about the different movement modalities that complement your running. You can reach out to me on Instagram at The Cookie Runner or through my website at thecookierunner.net. You can also support this podcast with a rating, review, or a share. Until next time, run happy, run strong, and run true to you.